This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yeah, I, I mentioned it before the game. You know, we've seen it in game. We were watching Traore last night. Wolves, Pogba, players, individual players with talent. We have some of those on the bench. Um, and I think Christian Pulisic gets his goal arriving in the box. We were crossing a lot of balls into the box. Um, and he can do that and can arrive. Really pleased with that. Ross Barkley, his impact. So, yeah, they were, they were important. It's the individuals that make the difference, not so much the manager. You can claim it when it comes off, but I'm, uh, I'm really pleased with them. The, the reason the rules are there is because everybody, all teams, are, are, are say, struggling for fitness, but this is not the norm. And we have to also protect the, the players over this tight period of games with the ability to make changes because players will, will struggle to get through the games, you know. It's a very different circumstances to normal. But, yeah, it, it does affect your thinking. Um, I, I felt we, we controlled all the games pretty much anyway, other for moments which sometimes we brought on ourselves, but we needed a bit of impact, we needed a bit of something different and we, we found it. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was Chelsea's Frank Lampard. He says that his side totally controlled the game against poor old Aston Villa at the weekend. It's me, Ross, on the ball in isolation still. So much to talk about. The EPL is back in its entirety. Well, just one more game to go in this week's round and and me and the guys are going to be talking about it for you and by the guys i mean craig wilkie hello craig hello ross delighted to be talking about english football again <laughs> your beloved liverpool was goalless we'll, we'll discuss that in a few <laughs> moments nicholas anil is a very sad leeds united fan this monday yeah i'm smiling at you at this moment but actually deep down i'm not smiling at all <laughs> not been a not been a great weekend it's not been a great weekend. And Bob Holmes is here. Bob, how did Nottingham Forest do at the weekend? Uh, we drew 1-1. We let in another last-minute goal. So I'm, I'm a bit grumpy, too. <laughs> <laughs> not, not as bad as Nick, though. Happy oh, Monday, everybody. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. We've got two grumpy guests on this week. Excellent stuff. Right, let's look back at the EPL then. Um, the big game on Sunday was the Merseyside derby. Uh, had Liverpool won, they, they would have been able to, to wrap up the league on Wednesday. They might still because Man City could still lose today. But let's talk about the Merseyside derby first. Um, Liverpool now, with that draw, need only five points to be sure of the title. But Bob, they, uh, they were very thankful to Alisson, the goalkeeper for this one. Yeah, they certainly were. I mean, he hadn't had uh, hardly anything to do all game, but uh, towards the end, Everton uh, looked as if they could snatch it, couldn't, uh, didn't they? Um, no, he, he showed his uh, world-class credentials. But um, really, uh, this is in danger of becoming a, a massive anticlimax, you know, for Liverpool. Um, I mean, they're going to do it, but they're stuttering towards it, aren't they? not marching as they should have been. But let's not forget, before the uh, pandemic, they were in wobble territory. Yeah. They'd lost three games out of four after such a magnificent run. That was a bit of a shock. And they don't seem to have their spark back. And you would have thought that of all managers to make sure that everybody was ready and fired up, it would have been Jurgen Klopp. But they didn't look quite ready. And they were missing a couple of key players, Andy Robertson. Uh, they missed him terribly because they, although Milner did a reasonable job, he's no threat going down that left wing, is he? And of course, Mo Salah. The front three were, were virtually neutered. So it was, 
I mean, it's not worrying in the sense that they're going to muck it up completely. No way. But it's going to take, they're going to stagger over the line rather than sort of ride triumphantly. And I think this is a great pity. Great right. pity for fans and football. Okay, I'm going to cross over to a Liverpool fan now, Craig Wilkie. Did you think, when you saw Minamino starting, did you think uh, Klopp's just giving the other teams a chance here? That's a little, that's a little bit harsh. Uh, I thought, strangely, I was, feeling quite, um, I was feeling quite optimistic and confident yesterday ahead of the game. I, you know, I didn't have too many worries at all. In fact, to the extent that I'd, I'd already organized a bit of a celebration for later on in the week because I was sure that the long wait was almost over and that by Thursday we would have clinched it. It now looks like that's going to take a little bit longer. As Bob said, the swagger wasn't there yesterday. It was a little bit flat. To some extent, I think we need to give the players a bit of slack because coming back after such a long time out, especially to play the style of play that Klopp looks for his sides to, is not easy. And especially also with the lack of crowd and so on. And I think that's been true across all the games that we've watched in the last few days. That intensity, which has generally defined the English game, has been a little bit missing. The atmosphere, because the atmosphere is not there, I think it's been a little bit hard for players to, to get up for it in that sense. Mm. And yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool just, they, they created so few chances. I think that was the most worrying yeah. part of the performance. But actually, if you look at Klopp's tenure as a whole, the two places where we've never really played well have been Goodison and Old Trafford. And that was really just a continuation of that yesterday. Well, in fact, seven of the last eight Premier League Merseyside derbies at Goodison Park have ended in draws. Uh, if Everton don't beat Liverpool the next time they meet, Nick, it will be 10 years since Everton have beaten Liverpool in the league. That, that's some record. So far, it's what, 11 draws, 11 losses. I mean, they were close this time, right? Yeah, you know, it, it would have been such a sweet uh, snatch and grab for Everton, you know, had Tom Davies converted uh, that, that effort right at the end. But, uh, you know, you got to give credit to Everton at the end of the day, you know, despite Liverpool having more of the possession, you know, Everton knew what they wanted to do with the ball. And I really got to commend Ancelotti on his tactics. You know, he placed uh, Tom Davies and Andre Gomez yeah. to sort of uh, nullify the threat you know, uh, of Liverpool going forward. And he was even so brave to give Anthony, young Anthony Gordon, yeah. a, a debut, you know, on, on such a big night. So, you know, it's a testament of, of Ancelotti's uh, tactics coming into play uh, in this Everton side. Uh, you got to remember that they were trashed 4-0 um, against Chelsea just before mm. uh, the coronavirus uh, lockdown happened, you know. And I think he has been working with the team uh, uh, just to solidify that defensive uh, aspect of the game. You know, and it was really evident against uh, Liverpool side. And no, no doubt that they were missing Salah, you know. Uh, but the threat of uh, Firmino, the threat of even Mane, you know, was uh, neutrified so, so well, you know, by the likes of Seamus Coleman, Mason Holgate, you know, and, and also uh, Lucas Dinia. So, yeah. you really got to commend Everton on, on a really uh, physical and a committed uh, performance, you know. Even though it was a shame that they couldn't uh, snatch a win at the end, you know, it was still a point uh, well-deserved. All right. Well, it, it was Father's Day um, over here on Sunday, so maybe none of the Everton players wanted to let down Godfather Don Carlo <laughs> Ancelotti. Um, all right, let's <laughs> roll back to the Friday game then. It was Spurs 1, Man United 1. That was the highlight on Friday evening, early Saturday morning. Of course, uh, making the headlines, Bob, was a certain Paul Pogba uh, brought on with 60-odd uh, minutes gone and... Um, Made, a, made an impact, didn't he? 
He did. He certainly did. Um, first of all, you have to ask why it took 64 minutes <laughs> to bring him on. Um, I mean, all the talk beforehand was about the new partnership with Bruno Fernandes and uh, how this was going to transform United at long last. They've got two world-class midfielders and they fancy their chances of getting in the top four. Um, I noticed even in the, some of the practice matches, it was Bruno's 11 versus Pogba's 11. Mm. And I thought even that, they, sh they should have been playing together. They should be building an understanding right from the beginning, do, do right you, from the training think, though, Bob, Do you think from what you've seen that there's a spark, there's possibility there? In a definitely, practice? definitely. That's why I'm going on about it so yeah. much. Even in that, uh, what, 30-odd minutes they had together, you could see that. And Pogba yeah. looked visibly lifted yeah. by having a player of his own ability alongside him. I mean, it, it's obvious that he doesn't rate the rest of them, isn't it? And this is one of the reasons for, you know, his, his lengthy absence, I think. Mm. He was all set for going out the door. But yeah. getting back to the game, um, he made an impact. I think the penalty was a little bit soft. Uh, the second one was even softer yeah. and rightly uh, not Rightly even, overturned. But, but this one, uh, even this one, Mourinho was on about it, but um, I, I, th I thought he went down a bit easily. Um, and uh, anyway, he, besides that, he made an impact and he showed with Fernandes that there are exciting possibilities for United. So United yeah. can really take heart from that. Well, the, the minute Dyer lifted his arm, you, you just knew Pogba was going to go down. And if he went down, a penalty was coming there. Um, I want to turn to you, Nick, and ask you what probably every Man United fan's asking themselves after the game. David Aguirre, he made the mistake for the goal. Let's not beat around the bush here. There's a lot of talk about Dean Henderson. Should he start next season as United's number one? Well, Dean Henderson has been doing great uh, for Sheffield United, you know, but I, I, I really can't understand the amount of heavy criticism that has been directed at David Degaya, you know. Uh, just let's look at the goal, you know. No doubt, uh, Steven Bergwijn did really well and he shot directly at Degaya, but the shot was coming at such a fast pace and it was, it was so low, you know, it was a stiff grounder that Degaya really needed to get down, get down fast and put out a, 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 an arm, a reflex, as fast as possible. And, you know, in, in that position, I, I really can't fault him 100% for, for that goal. You know, no doubt, it was straight at him, but it was coming at such a fast pace, and mm -hmm. it was so hard, you know, he, he would really would have needed such, such a strong arm to get, to get uh, the ball, uh, turn the ball around the corner. You know, I would blame Harry Maguire. I would blame Luke Shaw for putting him in yeah. that position in the first place. So while, you know, he is at fault for the goal, you know, he should not shoulder the entire blame. All right. Well, um, De Gea made amends with a save against Son Heung-min later on in the game. Um, a few words about Spurs then, Craig. Kane looked a bit flat up top, didn't he? But, I mean, Mourinho's got his full complement back now, so he can't complain. Or can he? <laughs> He'll always find a way. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this game as a whole, it seemed to me as a, it was a pretty good overview of where both of these teams are right now. Mm. They're, they're on a journey. Manchester United are a little bit ahead in that journey. Spurs have got a lot further to go. It was a bit uninspiring from a Spurs point of view. I think the best thing for Spurs fans right now is to be watching Arsenal, in all honesty. Um, <laughs> the, the, the problem when you look ahead for Mourinho is 
that whole squad needs a freshening up. I think you can look at just about every area of the park and say he needs to, to bring in some fresh blood. You know, defensively, I think the midfield needs a bit more of a creative spark. Even up front, he's got better options up there, but will Kane still be there in the summer? That's a question, or still there for next season? That's a question that remains to be answered. So there's a lot of work to be done. And then, of course, the question hanging over everybody right now is, will there be money to spend? They're still paying off the stadium. We don't really know what any club's finances are like right now, given the current situation. So I suspect there'll be more for Mourinho to complain about before he starts smiling anytime soon. All right. Well, as, as Craig said, if you're a Spurs fan, just, just turn to the other team in North London. Because the Arsenal result was probably the shock of Saturday. Um, it didn't look like the Gunners were going down because Nicolas Pepe put them ahead against Brighton with, with an absolute beauty. Then they lost the goalie and then New Malpay uh, came up and, and scored the winner. Uh, it was a deserved win, Bob, for Brighton, this one. Uh, it was, but uh, I think you've got to have a hard heart not to have a little sympathy for Arsenal fans after the start of, or the restart of this season. I mean, Mikel Arteta said that everything started to go wrong in the first minute of the first game. And we all know what happened there. This one, it took a little longer, quite a lot longer. And they looked as if they were going to do it. Because when you're one up against Brighton, you've got a, you've got a pretty good chance because they don't score that many. But of course, the keeper had gone off and that was the most contentious yeah. incident of the game. I don't think there was anything malicious in the challenge. It was clumsy rather than uh, predetermined. And, uh, but he just fell awkwardly. Leno, who had been the hero yep. in, the, in the previous game and uh, was finally justifying his uh, fee. Um, it's terrible luck for Arsenal. And now they've got a reserve keeper who's been at the club for 10 years, Mart Martinez, and only played about 20 times. So they obviously don't rate him that highly. And if Leno is out for any length of time, they're going to have to look at replacing him. So it's all going wrong for Arsenal. And I think a lot of it is bad luck. I mean, they, they, in the first game, they played all right for a while against Man City even. And in this game, they didn't play too badly. They missed one or two chances. Yes, um, Ozil still can't get a, get a kick, can he? Um, no. Even with nine substitutes, he actually <laughs> made the bench, but, but no further. Um, they're not quite clicking, but I wouldn't panic if I was Mikel Arteta. I think he's done a good job, and I think this has just been horrendous luck in the first two games. I think they'll turn it around. All right. Well, for, for Brighton, then, uh, it was probably a bonus win, uh, and it, it gets them out of, uh, well, gets them to some safety. They, they're still not totally safe yet. We're going for our first break. When we come back, we'll continue looking at the weekend's EPL return. Stay tuned. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us on the ball in isolation with me, Ross, along with Bob, Nick and Craig Wilkie. Of course, you can get in touch. It's uh, be, uh, at uh, 
BFM Radio on Twitter. We're on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And by now, you should know that we have a video channel set up on YouTube. Do subscribe to TFIF on video. A fresh video out every Friday uh, previewing the EPL weekend. In fact, we've got one coming out tomorrow as well featuring these guys here. Right, let's go to you, um, Nicholas Arnil, as we talk about Watford 1, Leicester 1. Um, this is quite a good game. Leicester, of course, chasing Champions League football, uh, looking good before the lockdown and, and uh, early part of the season. Watford, though, under Nigel Pearson, fighting relegation, showing fight, and this could end up being a very valuable point against Leicester. Yeah, for sure. You know, the Premier League has restarted after three months, you know, and this game was a testament that, you know, the players have not lost their competitive edge. They have not lost the art of scoring beautiful goals. Both the goals we saw right at the death Super. was a testament yeah. to, to how much we've missed the Premier League and, and the beauty that it produces. You know, this was end-to-end action pretty much, you know, and just when it seemed that it was going to end up as a goalless draw, the last five minutes brought everything to life and we saw one of the two of the most beautiful goals that we will see this season you know i thought it was evenly balanced you know uh watford started pretty well uh, forced casper schmeichel into two brilliant saves you know towards the end uh, leicester were pushing hard and um uh, ben foster actually made a really good save to deny uh, madison uh but i really have to commend uh watford's spirit you know when ben chilwell struck that that um that strike from the, the commentator said strike. it was a fizzer. He said it was yeah. a fizzer. <laughs> it was that, you know, that you, nice. You 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 think that it would deflate uh, Watford's uh, hopes, you know? But they just went on the other end, never gave up, and and a beautiful improvised finish from uh, Craig Dawson. Yeah. Uh, and this point is so so valuable in in their efforts uh, to stay up. But also, you know, I think it's also a testament uh, to the work that Nigel Pearson has done with this Watford team. You have to remember that they handed Liverpool their first uh, league defeat just before the uh, lockdown. So, mm. you know, they have been gradually uh, improving as a team. And at this point, will only go further to, uh, you know, enhance their reputation and their belief uh, to stay in top flight. Yeah, spot on there. Um, Craig, Leicester City, um, Jamie Vardy looked a bit isolated. He's the league's top scorer. I mean... This draw actually means that Chelsea have uh, edged closer to Leicester in third now uh, after the weekend's results. Do you think they're in any danger of missing out? That would be a big loss, right? Missing out on top four for Leicester. It would be a huge loss, but I'm starting to believe that they are in slight danger of it. I completely agree with Nick in terms of Watford's performance. I thought they showed everything that Pearson has brought since he arrived in terms of the organisation and the commitment and the spirit, all of that. Leicester, on the other hand, as you said, they just looked a little bit flat. Vardy was isolated, didn't create very many chances. And actually, if we look back before lockdown, of course, they had such a wonderful start to the season, put themselves in that great position, looked as though Champions League would be a near certainty. But for, I don't know, maybe a couple of months before the league was suspended, they were still picking up points, but they, they weren't playing brilliantly. Mm. Some, of the, some of the fizz had gone out of, of their play for sure. And... They were probably a club that were, were happy, actually, to go into lockdown and see if they could revive things when they come back. It hasn't been a great start, so the, the next couple of games will be absolutely massive for Leicester. All right. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the, the midweek round, uh, match week 31. 
later on in the show. Uh, let's bring Bob in and, and talk about Wolves. They're a team on the up there. They won 2-0 against poor old West Ham. Um, we, we're talking about Wolves here, Bob. Raul Jimenez is now a record goal scorer for, for Wolves in the Premier League. He has 14, I believe. We all thought that that extra long run in the Europa League early in the season would hamper them. They've got over that now, Bob, and, and they look very good, Wolves, don't they? Uh, they do. Uh, perhaps the lockdown uh, helped them. As yeah. you say, um, you know, they, they might have been showing uh, the strain a bit uh, in February, early March, but uh, they've had this long rest and they've come back and they look as good as ever. So uh, perhaps Wolves are among the beneficiaries of this incredible break we've had. Um, the Traore Jimenez combination really does look yeah. sensational, doesn't it? There was a rumor a week or two ago that Liverpool were interested in buying them both. But <laughs> I think the Jimenez alone would be over a hundred million. Um, I mean, he, he's, he's bound for Real Madrid or Barcelona, I think. Um, I mean, he is an absolute classic old-fashioned centre-forward who can power through the middle and score headers. And there are not that many of them around no. at top level. Yeah. And he's the perfect recipient of the crosses from the wing. And Traore, I mean, he's absolutely superb, isn't he? He's, he's like Alexander-Arnold with pace. I mean, he can... And a lot more muscle, Bob. Yeah, and a lot more, mainly in the shoulders. <laughs> um, but he's tremendous. Um, so with those two, and let's not forget uh, Neves and Neto scored a cracking goal. I mean, they've got players all over the park, the keeper. I mean, really, they, to me, I would say they are in the top four clubs yeah. in the Premier League. Okay. And I think they could even sneak, uh, sneak a place if Leicester continue to uh, slip up. That would be very interesting indeed. All right, uh, for everything Bob said about Wolves that's good, uh, Craig Wilkie, we can probably turn it around for West Ham United, can't we? <laughs> Karen Brady and the West Ham board were most vocal in trying to get the season voided. Um, it, obviously, it's back. They, I mean, based on form, you look at the way they're playing, they're going down, aren't they, Craig? It's starting to look that way. And you're absolutely right. They, they were the club who were pushing hardest for null and void. And you can well understand why when you, when, you watch, when, you, when you watch performances like that. They just offered so little. And you would think by this stage that those players, everybody at the club, would, uh, would realise and appreciate the scale of the trouble that they're in. And for a club like West Ham to go down to the Championship, especially in the current circumstances, there is no guarantee of bouncing back quickly at all. So whoever goes down this season... I think we'll, we'll find it especially difficult. So, uh, yeah, like you say, the, the form that West Ham are in, and this is form that long predates lockdown. I mean, really, ever since Moyes took over, there hasn't been a notable bounce at all. It's not really clear what style of play he wants. The, the team look a little bit in between, you know, whether they want to just keep it tight and try and grind out results or actually try and play some of that more free-flowing football that we know the fans love down there. But they've not got it right in any direction. And right now, yeah, they, they look to me like very, very serious relegation candidates. All right. Well, West Ham are in trouble. They're, they're free-falling. They're in 17th. 
at the moment. Let's let's uh, move on to the Sunday game. Aston Villa one, Chelsea two. Um, Lampard brought on Christian Pulisic, and and he scored within five minutes. This Chelsea side with with uh, transfers to come in the summer, Nick, is looking very promising. They got all the f- players back, kind of fit again. They 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 look good under Frank Lampard, don't they, Nick? Yeah, definitely. I think that transfer ban uh, was it two seasons ago has really sort of you know benefiting them uh, in the seasons to come, uh, simply because you know they've been able to identify the targets uh, that they intend to bring in. Uh, and they've already uh, begun to secure them, you know, Hakim Ziyech, you know, uh, Timo Werner and, and, and more to come. Uh, but what he's done this season, he's basically created a competition within the team, you know. Every player has now got to fight for their place because they're not only fighting for this season, they're also going to be fighting for next season. Mm. And it was clearly evident uh, in the match yesterday, you know. So every player putting 100%, you know. Villian, whose contract is going to expire this season, you know, he put in 100%. Giroud, you know, who was about to leave uh, the club, you know, uh, signed a one-year deal and he played his socks off and uh, was rewarded uh, with a goal in the end. And uh, Christian Pulisic, you know, we, we forget about him and the amount of money that Chelsea had spent yeah. on him uh, this season, you know. I barely played a game uh, since uh, this year, you know, uh, ever since his uh, hat-trick against Burnley. In fact, I think he last scored a goal last year, you know. And it was his chance to make an impact. And even though he didn't do anything much besides the goal, he did drag uh, Chelsea into this match. Uh, but leading by example was Cesar Aspiculeta, yeah, know, who had both goals, you know. Uh, a seniority really showed, you know, and, and he's one of the players who's Lampard, who, who Lampard is going to be counting on for next season. So all in all, a great performance. And uh, for Lampard himself, you know, it's just a great uh, gauge for him to see where his players are at and, and create a healthy competition within the team itself. All right. Well, let's go into the break with, with, with Bob giving us a, a, a quick word about Aston Villa. Just a one point out of a possible six since the return for, for Villa. They're fighting relegation. I know we, we've got a few Villa fans in, in our group here, Bob. Um, not, not on this show, but in our group. Uh, they're 19th. They, they don't look good. Not with JT coaching them. <laughs> no, um, they, uh, they're down there and I suppose they are among the favourites now to go down. But I still have faith. Um, they've got a tough run as well, but I reckon West Ham and Bournemouth are going to save them. I think Norwich are probably down, and, but Villa are playing better than both West Ham and Bournemouth. Yeah. And they just haven't quite got the um, the result in, in. I mean, it was a tough game against Chelsea, but if you're starting to play sort of half decently on the resumption, it augurs well for the next few games. Absolutely, and I think they can just about scrape up. We haven't seen the best of Jack Grealish or John McGinn. Mm. They were the two key men in midfield for Villa earlier in the season, but until McGinn got injured, of course. Um, and since the resumption, he's, he's now fit. It may not be 100% fit, but he's back. And Grealish has not really fired. He was not, he's not playing at the level that he played at before the lockdown. I think we, we'll see some sparks from those two. And I think that may be enough to keep them up because Bournemouth and West Ham haven't got anybody in their class. In fact, anywhere near as good as those two. So 
that's why I, I'm still putting my faith in in Aston Villa, um, and and they've got they've got a good manager. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on John Terry, the assistant manager, but, uh, Dean Smith is a proven success. He was great at Brentford and he took Villa up and the owners have got faith in him. And I, th- I think he will steer them to safety. All right. Brilliant stuff. We're going to take a break here. Stay tuned. We're going to preview match day 21 in the EPL, but right after the break, a look at the rest of Europe. We wondered if he'd make a difference. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Lovely football, speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, We are back. Bob Holmes, Craig Wilkie and Nicholas Arnil. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And yes, we've opened up a YouTube channel. Please subscribe to TFIF on video on YouTube. Uh, we've got our first video out already in, in, in the uh, catalog. So do check it out. Got a, another video coming out this Friday as well as a short one out tomorrow. Coming up then, a match day, match week 31 preview for the EPL. First, uh, a zoom around the Premier League. Uh, all the leagues were in action. So we're kind of spoiled for choice this, this week talking about all the football. Uh, let's start with Germany where the, the title is already done. Uh, Bayern won the league in midweek. They also won at the weekend, uh, beating Freiburg 3-1 at home, um, which two more goals for Lewandowski. But I want to talk about Erling Haaland here. Um, Craig Wilkie, he's a bit special, this kid. He's back from injury and he's still 19. It's hard to believe. That's the thing that's so easy to forget, isn't it? He's really such a special talent. And he has so much maturity in his game for one so young. I think that's maybe the most impressive thing about him. And he's got a little bit of everything. He's got pace. He's got power. He's got such a natural instinct in front of goal. He's aware enough to bring others into play. And you know, I, I wonder what his value in the transfer market is right now, given his age. Um, I suspect that he will stay where he is for a little bit longer. That's probably the right decision for his career. Have another season or two, maybe. Still developing at Dortmund, playing in the Bundesliga. But there's no limit as to what he could achieve in terms of the talent that he's got. And I just think in terms of the Bundesliga, we should remember that they were the ones who pioneered the return and have done so well, I think, in getting football back up and running safely. So it's been great to see how that's continued over there in Germany and all the rest of the leagues are essentially catching up now. Uh, And I hoped when it first came back that we'd we'd get a real title race, that Haaland would inspire Dortmund to to really challenge. But once Bayern won that game against Dortmund, it looked all over pretty much from there. And of course, now Bayern can concentrate on the Champions League, which given the format that that's going to conclude with, anybody who's left in that tournament will fancy their chances. So Bayern will be feeling it pretty good now to to have already got the league wrapped up and they can set their sights elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Quick word about, about Schalke, Nicholas Arnil. Um, they're on free fall. Uh, it's a club record now, um, winless games. Uh, this started before, before the lockdown. Um, yeah, I mean, can, can a manager take down two clubs from two different top leagues, <laughs> like <laughs> from the Premier League and the Bundesliga in two seasons, Nicholas Arnil? Yeah, I, I think their record seems to be the worst for any European club since the return of uh, football after the lockdown. 
you know, I just uh, going back to the game against uh, Borussia Dortmund, you know, where they got trashed 4 0, they haven't seemed to have recovered from that loss, haven't they? You know, and it's as you mentioned, it's, it's been a free fall, you know, they've dropped uh, even below mid table now. Um, you know, there's so much of things going on in the club, and it's a reflection of the performance on the pitch. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure that they just want the season to be over now itself. Yeah, uh, Bob, Schalke are now down to 11th. They are literally three points away from the relegation uh, playoffs here. <laughs> Serious stuff. I mean, Schalke are a big club, right? Yeah, unthinkable, isn't it? Um, right. the, I mean, when the, uh, when the resumption uh, occurred, they were thinking more of a place in Europe. They, they weren't <laughs> thinking about relegation, were they? <laughs> Um, but I think uh, David, uh, David Wagner will be wishing he'd never left Huddersfield um, the way this has turned out. Uh, I mean, they, they could build a statue of him there. And take it down, because that's the trend. Yeah, probably get knocked down soon. But, um, you know, it, the difference is absolutely amazing. No one saw this coming. And I think yeah. it's a reflection of the, what's going on at the club uh, more than his ability. Um, I, I mean, you don't become a bad manager overnight, and he certainly isn't. Um, mm. I think I think they'll survive. They'll just about survive, and then if he keeps his job, you know, there's a there's a big rebuilding job going for next season. But uh, it is one of the big surprises of the resumption of the season. This um, Schalke's descent. I mean, it's the only other talking point. This this is the problem with the Bundesliga. It, it's it's great. Um, apart from the fact that you know the winners yeah. before the season even starts, which is a bit of a, a, bit of a problem for it, isn't it? Let's mm. face it. And uh, there, there isn't much else to talk about no. right now. No. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for all the organization, and, and I do admire it, and they put England to shame, uh, they've got this massive problem of the title being a foregone conclusion. And that is a huge thing, and they, they really aren't any closer to sorting it out. So, um, you know, we're stuck with that. This is what you get. The season's over, basically, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right, that's, that's Germany then. Uh, a quick look at Spain. And the big news this weekend in La Liga, Craig Wilkie, is the fact that uh, Barca kind of messed up with a nil-nil draw. Real Madrid have closed in. They've now, they're now level on points. It's actually kind of exciting, La Liga. It's a two-horse race. Obvious two-horse race. <laughs> yeah, only, only two horses, but at least it's a race, unlike in Germany, <laughs> as, as Bob was saying. And yet, to me, Madrid look like they're just edging ahead in, in that race, at least in terms of the form that they're in. Barcelona, we've talked about them before in terms of some of the instability around the club that's been the case for a while now, how reliant they've become on Messi the extent to which he has to carry them. Uh, that looks like it's been the case even since the season resumed. Madrid, on the other hand, you know, with Zidane coming back, look a bit more settled. I think they've got a little bit more quality right throughout the side. I, mean, I look at a player like Benzema, and he's been around at that top level yeah. as an elite center forward for such a long time and done such an incredible job and doesn't make many headlines. You know, we sort of take him for granted a little bit. But what a player to have in your team leading the line the way that he has for so long. And right now, I mean, there's, the, the Classicals are done, so they won't face each other head-to-head. -head. I think Madrid have got a, an easier run-in, so I'm, I would tip them to, to emerge as champions at the end of the season. 
What, what about you, Nick? Um, it's, it's the big two. Uh, the, the, the whites or the claret and blues for you? Um, I think Real Madrid have gained some sort of momentum. As Craig Wilkie mentioned, you know, they're too reliant on Messi, you know. Uh, even after the lockdown, you know, Messi just seems to have resumed a business as usual. And when he doesn't perform, you know, Barca struggle to get uh, the others taking. Uh, whereas it's, it's different for, for Madrid, you know. Uh, they have so many uh, different players with different skill sets, but they play together as a team, you know. So you don't look towards a certain individual, you know, and, and they can afford to leave players like Gareth Bale out of the starting lineup and still impress so much. So I think they have that, that momentum now to, to really, you know, push Barca all the way and eventually pip them to the title. All right. Brilliant stuff. That's your very quick look around Europe. A, a short break then. When we return, we'll, we'll preview match week 31 in the EPL. Has come up with something beyond ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead, a picture for goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Um, On The Ball in lockdown previewing. Match week 31 of the EPL. It's spread over Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So football every night. Uh, tonight, Monday night, obviously, there's the final game of uh, match week 30. Man City are playing Burnley. Was it, is that right? Was it, are they playing Burnley, guys? Yep. Yes, they are. Yes, that's but, right. Yep. Um, and but, Burnley. Yeah, it should be a done deal. But let's look forward to match week 31. Tuesday uh, sees Leicester City against Brighton. Brighton fresh from thrashing Arsenal, Bob. <laughs> and, and Leicester, well, this is uh, actually a, probably a very good, good game to get themselves back on track for that third spot, right? Yeah, I, I think thrashing is a bit of an exaggeration. Um, but uh, they'll be buoyed by the win, no question about that. Um, they were looking as if they might go down uh, before that. And that result... Those two late goals against Arsenal, they have really revived the club. I mean, they feel that they can stay up now. And uh, if they could get a point, even a point, at Leicester, it would carry on the momentum, give them some confidence. But Leicester uh, are a a pretty decent side. Um, I mean, it was their first game back, so you have to cut any club a a bit of slack, I think, after the lockdown and all that. And they really should have enough class to see off Brighton. Mm. Um, I mean, the point was made earlier about Vardy being isolated. Um, That is a bit of a worry uh, for Leicester. Um, They're relying on people like Chilwell scoring goals, who are a bit of a freak. It was a great goal, but it was a bit of a fluke, wasn't it? And he doesn't score many. I mean, they're getting the odd goal from midfield and defence even. But um, they've got to get Vardy scoring and they've got to supply Vardy. And those long through balls that uh, N'Gola Conte used to provide and uh, one or two others are not quite coming off this season. Mm. And Didi, and Didi is a, is a, a great um, presence for them in midfield. But he's perhaps a bit more of a defensive midfielder than... Um, than Conte or Kante was. And um, they're probably lacking a bit of dynamism there um, up front. But um, it'll be a good test for Brendan Rodgers. Um, if, they, if they do somehow slip out of the top four, 
it will be a disaster for Brendan Rodgers, put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it'll his happen. own portrait if that happens, Bob. They, they will. He will. They've got an eight-point cushion on uh, Man United and Wolves. So, and there are eight games to go. Mm. So um, they should make it. I think they should make it. All right. Uh, uh, Tottenham take on Leicester at the Tottenham Stadium. Uh, sorry, Tottenham take on West Ham at the Tottenham Stadium. And Craig Wilkie, um, if you're David Moyes, you're not looking forward to this 3.15 a.m. kickoff on Tuesday, are you? Well, I'm glad I'm not David Moyes. Uh, I'm not particularly looking forward to it anyway. Uh, <laughs> by the way, let's not completely overlook Burnley because I'm still relying on them to save my title celebrations for this week. But <laughs> that might still have to be put on hold a little bit, I accept. Yeah, when we look at Tottenham West Ham, as a London derby, normally with the crowd and the noise and the atmosphere, it's a game that actually would, would get the, the pulse racing a little bit. Sadly, without that, it's a bit harder to predict and know how those players are going to respond. We talked about West Ham earlier. And the thing for me is you look through that squad and you're just wondering where the inspiration is going to come from. Mm. You know, Bob mentioned in relation to Villa, at least they've got players like Grealish and McGinn who you can see putting in a performance and, and digging out three points from somewhere. It's much harder to see that from a West Ham point of view. Tottenham, on the other hand, again, Mourinho, I think, knows he has a, he has a lot of work to do there. He has a lot of time he needs to spend on the training ground. He'll have already started to do some of that. But... It takes time for those ideas to really get embedded. And so far, it hasn't really happened yet. And Spurs fans, I think they won't be feeling especially confident going into this game, um, even against West Ham. So it's a big game for both clubs. They both need a bit of momentum from somewhere. So let's see who gets it in midweek. OK. Um, Manchester United is playing Sheffield United Wednesday night, Thursday morning. It's a 1 a.m. kickoff. Um, Sheffield United, Nicholas Arnil, is going to be Sean of, of Dean Henderson. A couple of defenders are going to be missing as well. Uh, it's a chance for Man United to, to really take the Sheffield United challenge for the Champions League spots away here. Yeah, for sure. You know, they've already got an advantage, you know, uh, after Sheffield United was denied a goal uh, last week. You know, they managed to close the gap a little bit. Um, and just judging uh, on Sheffield United's shambolic performance against Newcastle, where they were completely all over the place defensively, I think uh, United really have a chance to get uh, three points uh, here. You know, they really have a chance to impose uh, themselves, especially the Pogba-Fernandez uh, combination. You Do you know? reckon they'll um, start together? I think they should start together. You know, they look really good uh, together for, for the last half an hour of that game. And this will be the perfect opportunity for Solskjaer to pair both of them and really put this Sheffield United uh, team to the sword. Um, having said that, Chris Wilder has also been very pragmatic, you know, after the defeat against mm. uh, Newcastle, you know, he came out and said, you know, I want all this talk about Champions League and Europa League to stop, you know, we've been bang average the last two games and we really need to get to the core of the matter that is to improve our defensive uh, aspect of the game. And I think they will try their level best to do that. But uh, this game looks... Uh, at uh, United, you know, for, for three points, for sure. All right. Aston Villa travel to St. James's Park, uh, Bob Holmes, to take on free-scoring Newcastle United. Yes, you heard me right. I said free-scoring <laughs> Newcastle United. Um, Dean Smith and Villa should be worried here, Bob. Well, yes, even Joe Linton scored last night, didn't he? Um, it's almost like saying even Heskey scored. Um, and worth mentioning, uh, Dean Henderson... Uh, might be glad he's not uh, playing at Old Trafford uh, because he didn't cover himself in glory last night, did he? 
I think he got an assist on at least one of those Newcastle goals. Oh, you, Newcastle will be lifted by that. I mean, they're looking at a top 10 uh, position, possibly, when everyone had them down as uh, relegation candidates, if not to actually go down when the season started. So uh, well done, Steve Bruce. I think he deserves a massive pat on the back, and he may even uh, keep his job for a while if, if the new owners uh, do take over. Uh, because it would be very hard to sack him after what he's done. Mm. Um, had they brought in a Pochettino or a Rafa Benitez, which is the two guys that are being talked about, um, and they'd got them into the top 10, they'd be saying, yeah, well, this is what a great manager can do for you. Well, Steve Bruce is not a great manager, but give him credit. He's done very, very well on very slim resources. So, uh, yeah, with the momentum Newcastle have got, you would say this is going to be a tough one for Villa. Um, but Villa know they can't slip up again and they really need every point now. So this should be a game worth watching, actually. Maybe low scoring, but keenly contested. All right. Newcastle versus Aston Villa is uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, 1 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Craig Wilkie, Liverpool take on Crystal Palace at 3.15 in the morning, our time. Now, assuming City beats Burnley, they probably will. Liverpool are five points away from the title. Crystal Palace at Anfield should be a three-pointer. Should be a three-pointer. It's quite a sleepless week you're setting up here for us all, isn't it? (laughs) Hopefully not from a Liverpool fan's point of view in terms of any real concerns about the title. Um, and I certainly don't have any concerns about that. I do have a little bit of a concern about the Palace game, just because Palace are in really great form. I mean, the, it was a great result they had at the weekend. They've had a really good season. Um, Hodgson has got them playing in a style that, that seems to be working for the whole squad. And they're actually, you know, when you start looking at the table and where they are, they're not far off challenging for, for some really interesting places in terms of where they might finish. So they will definitely come to Anfield with confidence. They will feel as though they're there to spoil any potential party getting started. Mm. Uh, but Liverpool just need to, to re-establish some of that rhythm that they had earlier in the season. We know it's not easy coming back after such a long time out and getting everybody gelling again, but there's more than enough talent in that squad. And Klopp's also looking ahead to next season as well, I think, in trying to determine which of the fringe players he wants to keep, who he's going to be moving on. So... There's a lot of people playing for their places at Liverpool come next year. Yeah. And I think also looking to that, you know, I saw, I think it was Wayne Rooney had an article at the weekend to say, you know, will Liverpool be dominant for the next three or four seasons? And his argument was yes, if Klopp stays in charge. But I don't think it's such a foregone conclusion at all when you look at City, the squad that they still have, when you look at how Chelsea are improving. So Liverpool need to strengthen after the season is done. And so all those players are definitely playing for their futures. All right. Uh, Liverpool versus Crystal Palace is a 3.15 a.m. kickoff. Uh, uh, Mikel Arteta's Arsenal travel to Ralph Hassan-Hottel's Southampton. I think we'll be talking about that a lot on Friday's show. But the standout tie of, of the round 31 then is Chelsea against Man City. Now, City, whether or not they're still chasing a title, this is going to be a, a team pitting uh, 22 players who are very talented, Nicholas Arnil, uh, against each other at Stamford Bridge. Yes, definitely. Um, Pep Guardiola has mentioned even, you know, even when uh, City were implicated with this potential uh, being uh, uh, 
tackled with uh, this transfer ban. You know, he had mentioned that we're going to go all out and we're going to give it our all this season, be it in the league, be it in the Champions League. You know, there is no such thing as letting off. There is no such thing as taking our our aim away from the goal, which is to push Liverpool uh, as much as possible and finish as high as possible in the table. You know, and they're certainly going to go out and do that. We saw that uh, against Arsenal. You know how they totally dominated uh, Arsenal and. The same thing is going to be happening against Chelsea. No doubt, Chelsea are going to be uh, providing a stiffer test. I just think that this City side have so much of uh, class and uh, talent in them uh, that they are going to be going out with an intention to get three points and delay Liverpool's title charge for at least another week. All right. Well, your match day 31 EPL fixtures are staggered over the week. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning our time we've got a video coming out on friday and uh, that's going to look back on match day 31 do subscribe to tfif on video at youtube for now uh, we wrap up tonight's radio show by me saying thanks to bob holmes thanks everybody and enjoy the football yeah thank you craig wilkie thank you very much and thanks nicholas anil thank you ross have a great week everyone yeah, indeed. Stay safe, stay home, still. Uh, spot you next week. Bye-bye. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.